Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Dual Screens Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Stephen Fontana, and with me, as always, he's over there in the other box. He's Andy Asimakis. How are you, Andy? I feel good. I'm uh, freshly quaffed. Quaffed. And uh, shaved down. I feel like I've You're lost quaffed. like 10 pounds off my face and body. Oh, uh, I, see. The, I see. The, the beard weight is a lot. You I do feel look so different. big with the beard. Right. And then folks were always like, oh, did you lose right. weight? No, I just shaved. So the answer is yes, I did lose weight. Yeah. Um, nice. So much. So yeah, much technically, it. yes, technically you did. Yeah. I, I always I always like a good shave because then I, I when I call somebody a neck beard, I'm not like looking in the mirror pointing like Spider-Man mm-hmm. or something like that. So that that's mm-hmm. always good. That's always good when you get that, that little fuzz down here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, joining us this week is Dave Whiteman, the creator of Rena and Jericho, an intense story-driven 2D action exploration game. That blends demanding platforming, intense combat, and time-bending mechanics. Dave, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, we we actually we kind of fell in love with this game, and we were oh, sweet. really looking forward to getting to dive deep into your cerebellum and figure out what what we were what the process was in getting this thing going. But before we do, why don't we tell everybody what the hell they're listening to or watching on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Dual Screens Podcast. This is the inter- the internet's number one indie interview podcast on the entire interwebs by two people you've probably never heard of, probably. The show posts each and every Friday for your listening pleasure on your podcast service of choice, including our home, podbean.com. We're, of course, on everything. I mean, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, whatever. Uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever. You name it, we're on it. The Hub. The Hub, we're on it. I promise you, we're on it. And, of course, you can watch the video version on youtube.com slash dualscreensTV. V, very simple to do. And if you want to support us with your hard-earned cash, cash, Kirsch, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash NDS podcast, just like our Patreon producers, Colton the Apprentice Nestler, FNH Paul, and Vegas Girl on Fire. We cannot continue to grow without all of your support. So thank you from the bottom of our heart. You keep this train a-rolling. Now, speaking of the train rolling, Andy, do you have, are you all up inside this engine room ready to start us off Yes. With us with our ceremonial leadoff question of the show. You know what's funny? Uh sometimes I don't know where this question's gonna end up going or being inspired from. The trash probably. But a couple of Google <laughs> searches later, I was like, okay, well Google Dave's name and see what comes up. Oh. <laughs> oh boy. And I came across a power lifter. Yes. <laughs> And I came across a PlayStation blog post about yeah. said awesome game. So I want to ask Dave a very simple question. Oh. That is, PC load letter. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it makes me mad. <laughs> That's fair, I guess. So, Dave, explain why I asked you that very specific um, office space reference question. <laughs> so... Yeah, I had a job working as a uh, web application developer. I started off in graphic design and then shifted. I was working a lot with the developers, and then I was doing a lot of code, and then I just switched entirely uh, to be a senior app developer at the company I was at. And it was a good place, Um, but if what you want to do is make video games and they do not make video games, then they can only make you so happy. Mm. And I, uh, I quit. (laughs) <laughs> I, I 
I had been uh, just sort of in the evenings and stuff uh, working on a game because I wanted to make a video game. And I thought, I'll pick a Metroidvania. No one's doing those right now. Not a single person um, did that. Good job. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> it, now everybody's making Metroidvanias. But uh, yeah, at the time it was cool. Um, yeah, I quit my job, marched in there, and uh, I listened to some office space uh, stuff. Listen to Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangster to psych myself up because <laughs> that montage is inspirational to me of Peter just ignoring the phone calls from his boss and like taking his desk apart. And so, yeah, I, I put that on loop a little bit and I walked in there and I put my, I walked into my boss's office and then he was out for the day. So I walked back to my desk, changed the name the letter was addressed to, went to my boss's boss's office, dropped off the letter. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And they took me out to lunch and said, could we give you a rest to make you stay? And I said, no. And I felt very cool. I, I like how you weren't inspired to rob your company blind, <laughs> but to make a I, game instead. So that's, that's a good Absolutely, game. I did not do that. This podcast <laughs> is being recorded right Wait now. Wait right? a minute. It is. Who's, fu who's, yeah. funding, who's funding your game? Uh, you know what? Good question. What matters is it's that we don't talk question. about that. True. All right. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> To answer your question, uh, the the kids' college fund, no, uh, yeah, all my money saved up is funding the game. We're self-funded, and um, I'll let you know whether or not it was a good idea in a few months. Yeah, I have a funny feeling it, it's going to work out. Um, because I you, sure hope so. You're not just making a you're not just making a Metroidvania. Like it, it's very easy to be reductive when when it comes to video games when you're describing video games just because of the, you're trying to touch what people know oh it's a platformer mm -hmm. it's like mario it's like it's a metroidvania game it's an rpg whatever it's a, it's a sandbox game you know whatever so but this there's a lot more to uh reina and jericho can you tell us very quickly or that, that doesn't have to be quickly but just uh succinctly succinctly that's the word i was looking for that's sorry word, yeah. i was like stinctly um What's the elevator pitch here? What, what is what is Rain and Jericho? So, yeah, you, you mentioned it a little bit at the beginning. Story-driven action exploration. That's the code word for Metroidvania. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm told not to describe my game in terms of other games. So action exploration, story-driven, and um, it's got time travel in it. So yeah. it's going to explore cause and effect. Um, in a lot of Metroidvania games, you explore things geographically, you go places. This adds the sequence of events uh, into it, and the sequence of events does not have to happen in order, even to the degree that uh, you can flip cause and effect. You can get something before you do the thing you did to get it, and it gets weird, and we've got some... The, the, some puzzles have been added that weren't in the demo, but yeah, we've got some some trippy stuff to add in there, and the story is going to uh, really lean into all of that, mm. and uh, I think go to interesting places. It's hard to say because it's like I wrote the story, but I think it's cool. Um, a lot depends on the sort of things you're into, but yeah, for me, uh, I'm trying to make a impactful story, and it's uh, it's about suffering, which is always everyone's favorite subject. <laughs> definitely um one of the things that really stood out to me is that it doesn't it it doesn't seem like a game that's just using time to d using the time mechanic just to solve puzzles um mm -hmm. it uses it as a narrative it uses it it uses it as a, an environmental storytelling as well um mm -hmm. 
one of the things you showed us in, in the demo that we saw had to do with killing an enemy and then kind of doing like almost like a save state mechanic where then you could manipulate time but f you start from after that enemy being destroyed so like he wasn't there anymore but you could mm -hmm. also not do that and, yeah and com and it would completely kind of change what that you could there's apparently a, a pacifist way of playing this at least that's what i what i gathered but like ah, kind of there's kind more of. pacifist ways there's more pacifist ways right <laughs> but yeah you know it's it just it kind of makes you think like, hey, there's a little bit more to this than meets the eye. There, it might actually have agency. The decisions you make act, might actually have agency as, instead of pretending to have agency. Can you go into a little bit of detail with that? So some yes and some no. I'm a big believer in like video games kind of fall into two camps, and I think both are kind of misrepresentations of life. Like. There's the the you're Commander Shepard and you can do anything. Um, and you know, obviously, you know, the fundamental plot of Mass Effect in that example is more or less fixed, but you do have a large degree of control over the conversations. Um, right. Or you know, your polar opposite of that is Mario, Super Mario One. You start at the left, and the game's over when you can't go right any further, um, and you just go left to right, and that's it. And you can't even walk backwards in the first one. The scroll the screen won't scroll that way. So like, that's the polar opposite. Um, the fact is some things in life are like that. Mm. Um, so here's the deal. We have a story woven into everything and yeah, Raina can determine or the player controlling Raina can have some control of it. Some of it is randomized when you create your game and that is how it's going to be. And you don't know what that is. Uh, there's different possible configurations because again, in life, some things you, you can interact with, but they are set in motion beyond your control. Mm. And then, yeah, there are some things that are fully in Raina's control. So, yeah, um, not everyone has to live. Not everyone has to die. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different characters in the game. And uh, I don't really want to say anymore because I don't want to spoil anything. But uh, <laughs> things do not have to play out the same way. Like, it's awkward, right? This reminds me of the movie Blade Runner 2049 when it came out where everyone was like, what's it about? And it's like, I can't tell you anything. Just <laughs> like, I don't want to spoil the first scene. I just want to point out the fact that when talking about a game about choice and causality, you first mentioned Mass Effect, a series mm. where choice ended up meaning nothing entirely <laughs> by <Yeah>. the end. <laughs> that was their thesis, right? They were making like, they were, they were going through the free will debate and finally they were like, none of it matters. <laughs> Yeah, and and that's kind of your your story might have you know a point A and a point B, but it's mm -hmm. kind of the way that you can can get from point A to point B varies depending on the setup, depending on how you uh, uh, want to approach the issue. But it was more than just the result; it was what the world kind of looked like how it functioned was a little bit different to the point where yeah. it felt like it had a little bit more weight to it can i can i talk it up for the audience for a minute like yeah I'll absolutely give the, the oh no that's that's yeah. what we're here assume for. none of you have heard of the game or care about it but i'm gonna win you over um so yeah reyna is thrown into a situation she's looking for a person named jericho you don't know why maybe she's trying to kill him. maybe she's trying to save him she's just looking for this guy named Jericho. She gets captured and she doesn't know who captured her. She doesn't know 
anything that's going on. And she doesn't even know that she has been given, uh, she knows she's been given this necklace, but she doesn't know it's significant. This is a world where there's artifacts that have special powers. I always use Indiana Jones as the as the sure. example, because you know, in Indiana Jones, it's more or less the real world, but if you open the Ark of the Covenant, your face will melt. Or if you drink from the Holy Grail, you'll live forever. It's like th there's these special things that do have the properties that are ascribed to them. So she's got this necklace, we call it the regret device. And if you've ever thought, I wish I knew then what I know now, because if I did, I would have done something differently. Well, that's what she can do. She doesn't change. Everything else goes back to how it was though. So in the context of a Metroidvania, sometimes you come across a path and you're like, man, if only I could jump higher, I would be able to get up there. Well, boom, as soon as you get can jump higher, you can go back there. You can do that just by backtracking, but you can also do that by traveling back in time in this game. Reyna can revisit any moment in her past. And so if you, if you get beat up by bad guys um, and lose all your health, in most video games, you die and you go back to your last save or whatever. And some have in narrative explanations and we've got that. There's these fountains where you have save points and she gets all her health back. Well, if she's about to die from being beaten up, the regret device automatically kicks in and warps her back to safety. But she's traveled back in time. Everyone you've killed, they're all back. Um, the one catch is she doesn't change. So if Reyna has stolen your wallet, she has your wallet and you say, hey, you stole that, give it back. If she now rewinds time, she still has your wallet. She can rewind time to a day ago before you even met. She'll still have your wallet and your wallet will wink out of existence. And you'll think, where did that go? I should go looking around for it. So in one situation in the in the traditional timeline, Rain is still in your wallet and you have an adversarial relationship. And the second one, she's got it. You have no idea what happened. Maybe you're going to go exploring. Maybe you'll wander to a different place and things are going to progress differently. So we describe it as time travel, but it, it's a lot messier than that because reality is conforming around her version of like where objects are and stuff like the very act of traveling back is altering things. And so we get weird things like she'll talk to a boss before a boss fight and they'll have a conversation. Well, if you lose, you go, she'll march right back in and she's pissed off and she knows exactly what conversation is going to happen. She's meeting this person for the second time. They're meeting her for the first time and the timelines don't exactly match up. Mm. And this game is exploring these asymmetries that get created. And that's how we get weird things like she can have your wallet before she's stolen it. Uh, weird things can can happen. And to a certain extent, a large part of the game is teaching you about those. And then another large part of the game is once you've been taught that, you got to figure it out because this is the, the thing you need to manipulate on a fairly micro level for sort of room puzzles and then a macro level to really understand like, Raina's walked into a trap. She doesn't know this, but she's walked into a trap designed to catch people who have this thing. And if you want to save Jericho, you have to figure it out and you have to figure out what it can do and what it can't do because some stuff is just bait for you to use it and will get you in trouble. And uh, other stuff, mm. it is absolutely essential. Did, did you do a lot of time travel research? Like, I, and I know that sounds stupid, but... <laughs> You know, when people write about time travel, it becomes a complete, it could be a disaster. Like, you just don't know because you're, you start paradoxing, your, you know, yourself and you're just like, wow, whatever. Or was this kind of just the, 
well, if I do this, what would happen? What, you know, what would the theory of this be? Like, are you just creating your own little theories? Here? Yeah. Well, I mean, have you guys played Chrono Trigger? Of course. Of course, of course. Yeah, I've got the wings of time on my wall right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been thinking about it ever since I played that game, um, like in 95, when I was a little kid. Um, read time travel. Yeah, I mean, I think about it a lot. Like, if you're writing a story for a game and working on a game, like this is spread out over years. I intended it to be quick, but it's like I've been doing full-time work on the game for just under two years, and we're getting pretty close to the finish line now. Um but, you know, writing the story and all that happened years before. Because um, right. just coming up with a general idea. Um, and I, th- I have that sort of stuff with a lot of things. Like a lot of the time I'll come up, oh, that'd be a cool idea for a game. So I write it down. So I have some ideas that I had like when I was 16 that I still have written down. And, you know, you grab bits and pieces. Anyway, the story goes back a ways. But, I, you know, I, I did think about things like time travel. And, you know, how do you resolve a time paradox? Like, oh, I went back. And. Yeah, I, I did do some sort of formulating like, oh, you could have a time travel where like, like, again, if I do something, if I'm, we'll do back to the future. If I'm Marty McFly and I change something, how do I know I've changed it when I travel back? Because I was messing around with my mom um, and he's messing around with his mom in that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More innocent age or maybe not. Um, they knew what they were it, doing. It, you know, you uh you think, oh, how does that work? And so sometimes, you know, people talk, oh, well, you have to have time travelers immunity where the time traveler knows what's going on. It's just a special exception. And I thought, well, what if like reality like fluxes through, instantly fluxes through all these potential things. And the only one that's like a stable time stream is like the one where you know that this happened or whatever. So like you play through these scenarios. In the case of Rain and Jericho, it's a little bit different though. Um, Because Again, we call it time travel, um, but that's sort of a simplification because, again, what she's doing doesn't quite line up because, again, objects are... It's like timeline manipulation, almost. Yeah, it's like this Heisenbergian thing where by by doing it, she's already changed things. Um, And and that was a side effect of, this is going to get weird. Originally, to save money and time and to do like a cool hip indie thing, the story was going to be written in the environment. Okay, so like the words of the story would be written around you and no one should. This is a bad idea. Like it's cool for like a game jam game. But like what happens if you go right to left? Like do you just read the same story again, but backwards or would like are you supposed to read while you're fighting bad guys? But one of the things was, well, if we're exploring and stuff, how do we get her back to the left? Because we can't have them like running backwards through the story a whole bunch. Let's say, okay, well, what if you're going back? Okay, well, what if by going back, you're going back in time? And then it started iterating from there. So it started with this really weird idea. And then we start coming up. It's a weird idea, so you get weird solutions. And then we ditched the weird idea, but kept these, the, the idea of like exploring continuity. And then I started thinking about like, oh, hey, this is kind of like how when you have something you regret in life, you kind of replay the situation over and over in your mind and you, you imagine, oh, what if it had gone this way? What if it had gone this way? It's like, well, let's just make that the story. So it's a butterfly effect, really. It's like you get to see yeah, how a it kind of, of that, flutters. Yeah. A little bit of butterfly effect um, is sort of like when she's not being intentional about it, it's butterfly effect. And then um, after that, it's like, oh, can you actually wield this? Because... Um, your final puzzle is to basically create this perfect chain of cause and effect where 
you know how the butterfly is going to go no matter what you do. And so like now you got to pick and do you understand what's going on well enough? Um, again, to go back to the Mass Effect series, like one of the cool things about Mass Effect 2 is like so much about the series is talking to people and like getting to know them and interacting with the characters. And so like the final battle of Mass Effect 2 is essentially the test of like, do you understand the characters well enough? Like, do you know who can do this and survive? Do you know like who's well suited to these tasks? Because some of them are kind of obvious and some of them are more general. And so it's like, yeah, do you, do you understand your people? And so this one is like, do you understand the events that have happened in this game? Because there's going to be a, right at where the demo ends, the path splits in three. Most Metroidvania games are fundamentally linear. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they wrap around on themselves, but, you know, you still usually have to get one power up to open a door. Like in Super Metroid, you cannot open a green door without super missiles. So, okay. They, they show you the green door, but you still have to go get the super missiles. It might as well be a straight line in terms of your routing. Mm -hmm. um, in this one, it branches in three, right where the demo ends. And that's sort of when the tutorial area of the game ends and the game fully begins. And you pick what you're going to do first. You pick what you're going to do second. You pick what you're going to do third. You have to keep revisiting this decision and exploring the different consequences. And you, you get to know who's on each of those paths, what are their agendas, um, will they work with you? Are they only out to get you? Are they in on a, this trap that's been laid for you? And if you understand that, you can you can manipulate cause and effect and you can manipulate people. And conversely, if let's say, Steve, let's say you know how the regret device works, because most people don't, but a couple people in the game do. Let's say you know how the regret device works. You know someone is running around around you with it. And all of a sudden, your wallet disappears from your pocket. You know what's up. You're like, there's only one way this could happen. I didn't lose my wallet. Someone took it on a different continent. Like, someone's screwing around with it right now. So what can you do to mess with them back? And yeah, that's what the game's about. This, this back and forth. Uh, yes, like this conversation with indirect uh, timelines. I think it's neat. Yeah. How... how do you begin to put all this into the code of a game? Because, you know, I think about games that involve like time manipulation or travel, like you can say singularity where you can repair damaged bridges or walls or Prince of Persia stands a time where you reverse your actions mm -hmm. or what's that girl's name from Overwatch? I forget. What Tracer. Yes, Tracer who rewinds her her moves mm -hmm. that's, that's a simple you, you can trace that ha huh? literally back to where it was but how do you implement these big ideas into code that can from what i can tell could like unravel really quickly <laughs> so, so there's two answers one's the answer to your question is the second is i'm never going to do this again okay <laughs> so let's start there um it's not too bad until you have to save the game and then it gets really weird because it's even hard for me to explain now because I've written most of the game saving code and it's pretty good. Um, so I haven't thought about it in a while. But so there's like there's the continuity of like what's going on in the game, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, this guy's had his wallet stolen. Uh, this guy's dead. And then Reina saves the game. So we save it with that guy dead and that uh, wallet stolen. Um 
But then there's Reina's continuity, which is maybe she's like gone somewhere else and rewound time. So like the world continuity doesn't match her personal continuity. And then there's you, the player, who mm. also may have a different uh, actual timeline. Um, and then when you're writing the data to save all this, yeah, it, it gets weird and uh, unpleasant. And uh, yeah, basically the technical answer to your question is, there is um, any, we do have the rules that are consistent at least. Like mm -hmm. if Raina has it, it stays with her. Right. Things get weird when she gives them up again. So like there's orbs that are kind of like small keys in a Zelda game where mm -hmm. it's like, okay, as long as she's carrying it with her, it's easy to track. We just we just tuck it away with Raina and we keep track of it. Um, if she like saves the game with it and then puts it somewhere else and then you save the game again, things get annoying because like, okay, it was with her. <laughs> Now it's not with her. So if she goes back to that moment, it'll appear in her hand. And then every single fountain in the game is a save point. So every single fountain has a snapshot. When you use it, it creates a snapshot the first time of just who's alive, who's dead, what's where, what doors are open, what doors are unlocked. And it does that through the whole game for every single save point. And um, yeah, oops. <laughs> Wow. And, yeah, and that's how it. games go from a simple <laughs> scope to a crazy mm -hmm. scope. And that's where delays yeah. come from. Because like it sounds like, crazy. you know, a fun, like, sci-fi caper kind of film like you would see on late night TV. But then, you know, it's an original idea. But putting that into practice in the game, it, it just, to me, sounds like God bless you, sir. For <laughs> yeah, having yeah. patience. <laughs> I wish I hadn't done it. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Yeah, well, I think it'll be cool. No, no, you misunderstand me. I wish you had done it. <laughs> oh, got it. Got it. For oh, some so sort of intern, maybe. Just go back in time, slip me the paperwork, and uh, yeah. that's how we'll do it. <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I can't I can't code for shit. Um, yeah, I'll quit my job, spend two years learning code, learning <laughs> yeah. Unity, and then I'll, you know. And then we'll, then we'll use right the regret that. device. We'll know all the information, but we'll start two exactly. years ago. And it'll be you great. know, yeah. on, a, on a quick side note, I think if my mom spoke more English, she'd call me her regret device. Oh. <laughs> just, just well, saying. Andy, what's Greek for regret device? I don't know. Is it Andy? <laughs> oh. Asimakas. Um, oh. Here, here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about combat, you know? Ooh, because slick, slick combat. All this, all this timeline mumbo jumbo. Hi, all the timeline mumbo jumbo. Okay, I'll be quiet. <laughs> my kids will probably. It's a down my daughter. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that you know, it's right. not, same same difference. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice yeah, it's for, for a for a college thesis. All this time travel stuff. But yeah, let's that's get great. Into but you know, we're why, playing a game here. Okay. Why am I holding yeah. this thing in my hand and playing this? This game? is the razzle dazzle. This is this is mm. the part where you go, oh shit, this is cool. It's clicking. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Give it, give it, come on. Give us, give us the sugar. Do you want me to talk about the combat? I want you to talk. Yes. I want you to tell us, okay. tell our listeners what this feels like because it's familiar, but different enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I was inspired by sort of three major games or like game families, uh, Transistor. So we have like a little bit of the story sort of stuff that super giant games typically have. Um, and some of the, way a lot of abilities combine in super giant games and so that's something that was important to me uh that's going to come up in combat uh hollow knight was a big inspiration but the feel um should be quite different in tone 
So Hollow Knight's a great game, and I won't say anything bad about it. But the combat there is you sort of have to have like a zen-like quality when you play it, where you wait and see what the enemy gives you. Um, and then you try to attack them while they do it. Like if you play Hollow Knight and you're chasing enemies around, you know, it's not going to work out well. You, you sort of, yeah, you like have to be a, like the samurai waiting and yeah. then striking. I am not super patient. I blame playing games on emulators where it's like, oh, I died, reload, re -die. and you know, you just fast, oh fast, God. fast. This is like kindred mm -hmm. spirits, mm -hmm. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also a really big fan of Mega Man X, which was the final major inspiration and you know even just like how you hold the controller uh these days some people like having you dash using the bumpers but i'm old school i don't believe in that because like when you play Mega Man x the dash is so fundamental to how you do everything and so like the way you move your hand across the controller is from this what would be a on a super nintendo and you just glide it over to b and then you shoot in the air and it's just like this smooth circular pattern and everything and that's what makes you go the fastest you can possibly go. And if you shoot while you're dashing in Mega Man X, you do double damage. Like, there's all these little things to reward. Go, go, go. Don't wait. Attack, attack, attack. And so I wanted to bring the combat a little bit in that direction, except Reyna uses a sword. Um, and so some people would be like, okay, so it's like controlling zero in a Mega Man X game. I think it still feels kind of different. Um, but it's just this idea of the combat is about movement. And it is about get in and get out. Um, and by the end of the demo, you get the dash scarf ability, which is the one that really lets Raina move around a lot. And you see like, oh, this could be a good speed game because you have really cool movement options similar to what's in Celeste, but you also fight with a sword and you have a lot of different ways the abilities can be combined and linked together and sequenced. And yeah, you just jump in, pounce and get out and Reyna as a character isn't meant to feel powerful, especially like at the beginning, you are can't do anything. She has no weapons, she has no nothing, she can barely jump, but you build up and you sort of have this character who's got a sort of a scrappy side to her. Um, she has like, she's the sort of person who would bite in a fight. Like, yeah, th there's, you know, there's no honor here. Like we're, she's here to win um, and uh, is resourceful and, so the combat's meant to reflect that. It's like, okay, do what you can as fast as you can and then run and then get right back in there and attack again. So in a way, like it's almost turn-based where it's like you attack and then retreat a little bit because again, she's intentionally physically weaker than everyone else in the entire game. Um, she's not more informed than anyone else in the entire game. So it's like, you can't just sit there. It's not like you know, if Arnold Schwarzenegger was the main character where it's like, oh, you could just walk up and punch people. Well, Reyna can't do that. She'll be overpowered. Like, but you can get in, take your shots and get out. And that's what combat's about. The super fast paced, uh, link your abilities. And even like in a game like Dark Souls, for example, they don't have um, like move cancellation or dance ca dash cancellation where it's like, once you start swinging your big great sword and you get your big art going, you can't interrupt that. You hit the button to attack it, and you got to go for the whole animation. It's polar opposite in this. You can dash. You can do a, a dash out of any attack whenever in the attack you want. You can roll out of it. You can dodge back. Like you have a high degree of control all the time. Mm. And uh, show us what you got. I never thought of the Mega Man X Zero connection. Like it's so. <laughs> it's so there. It's not like painfully obvious, but it's right there. Yeah. 
The one catch is I the only reason Reyna has a sword is because thematically I I like the idea of her being forced to go towards danger. Mm-hmm. Um because and, and that's a major problem early on in the game where the enemies have guns and Reyna has a sword. If she is like four feet away, it's totally advantage Reyna. Um, but getting to that distance is pretty tricky. And so you start learning like ways of dodging in the air and stuff that help close the distance. And then the dash scarf is the one where it's like, oh, you can get to four feet away in like a quarter of a second because she can move so fast with it. But uh, yeah, that was sort of the motivation was like this concept of like moving towards danger. Like you can't be safe because Metroidvania games very much are about like being kind of uncomfortable and being a little bit overwhelmed by the world and thinking like, I don't know where to go. Um, And like, there's a little bit of discomfort. And I wanted that in there because again, this is a story um, where given what she's trying to do, like she should feel like in danger and like, you just have to get practice doing this uncomfortable thing over and over. That's because like when you play a zero in a Mega Man X game, like uh, it doesn't quite have the same feeling. I think it's like, oh, if zero gets near you, you're dead. Because uh, yeah. like he he's a feels more like an extra fighter. Yeah, he's a superhero. Like it kind. Of, I don't know why I I'm reminded of this, but I feel like it's almost like if you were to plug in a controller to the bride and kill Bill. Like yeah, she's a trained fighter, but she's also going up against way more. Like she should have died a hundred times in those movies. Yeah, like, but her the fluidity of it and her her tactics and just going in and messing up an entire room and then just go 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 for some reason i just keep making that connection in my head um and and it's cool like that's that's the other thing is like you know how many i can't believe this sentence is going to come out of our mouths but uh, out of my mouth but there are so many games now especially from the indie scene uh that have a strong female protagonist now and there, I'm, you know, you start to kind of lose track of, you know, what's going on. Um, but there's something about Reyna that stands out to me in a Lara Croftian kind of way that she's cool. not a superhero. She's almost like learning. She's, she's like the, the, the origin story of a superhero where she doesn't want the responsibility. She doesn't want these powers, but she's got to learn how to use them and use them quick. Yeah. The the setup of the game is basically she is incapable of solving the problem she has gotten herself into. And the deal is all of the enemies are attacking her weaknesses. And the situation itself is targeting is, is a poison to her weaknesses. And she has to learn from the enemies. Like those are her teachers as the people out to get her. And conveniently she gets second chances because she has a regret device. So yeah, she's learning from adversaries. And I I think like that's an important part of the story. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about Star Wars and it's like, who trained Luke Skywalker? It's like, okay, well, Obi-Wan Kenobi showed him the ropes. And then he learned a little bit from Yoda. And then Darth Vader is the one who bumped him up the most. Like at the end of Empire Strikes Back where he goes to fight Vader, you watch him at the beginning of that fight and he's like bouncing around and using one hand. And then by the end, like he's bloodied and all cut up, but he's like hammering and he actually like gets a hit on on Darth Vader. And it's like, oh man, like dude, he just went to grad school. Like he had Mm. Jedi kindergarten and now like this is the real stuff. Um, So like, I think it's important that 
both the adversary is attacking the character's weaknesses and that the character is transformed by that. Um, and then the other catch is, yeah, a strong female character is a little bit of a trope. I think like there was just uh, all the characters were basically guys for a bit. You know, just, you can say yeah, Samus is an exception, yeah. but like so those were the, the exceptions, yeah. right? Like, yeah, I know some people have come up with lists, but like you can come up with a list of like 20 characters from before 2000 that were female. But it's like you can come up with a list of 100 male guys or even something I did because I was looking for inspirations for writing fem good female characters. So I went to IMDb and I looked at the top 250 movies um, and I just did an exercise like, okay, who are the best female characters from this? And I mean, you gotta go, you don't get a female main character until you hit alien on the list, like mm -hmm. Shawshank Redemption. It's a good movie and it's not a movie I would say be, be that would be improved by having a female character or anything. Cause I think like you let the story dictate what you've got, but there's no one to go off of. Okay. Right. Uh, Inception. Okay. We got one, we got Ariadne, uh, you know? The Dark Knight is like, oh, okay, we kind of got one. Like, you know, it's there's not a huge pool. So I think like the indie scene backlashed against that. But with all that said, having there's like these cheap cop outs I don't like. Like a lot of the time, oh well, there's only Black Widow's the only Avenger, but you know, she's really good at kung fu and all this. So, like, I think that's not respectful to the character. Like you just made not them bounce around and tried making them the cool character. Or like, oh, she's such a badass. But it's like, that's not character development, right? Like, I'm just trying to make a character who has an arc, who has to grow and right. learn. And she's just, as it turns out the story, again, like, she's just going through this terrible experience because it, literally everyone's out to get her and take her stuff. Um, and, and so, like, I, I think we get a good character because of that, because we didn't start off where it's like, oh, yeah, we need a female character. We got to check this box, uh, throw her in there. I don't know. We'll make her cool. Like, you know what I mean? The, it's like the opposite of like that scene in the Avengers uh, Endgame where they just show like all the female Marvel superheroes and like in the one shot. And it's like, I get what you're doing, but like th that's that's just uh, that's hand waving. Like that's just point like you didn't do anything special, you know? It's like you got to give these people arcs. You got to make them do stuff. You got to make them grow. The greatest, then it's earned. The greatest shortcoming of a of a good female lead is when they're too tied up in making her tough and mm -hmm. hyper masculine that she can beat mm -hmm. up any man in her way, and you forget that she needs vulnerability. She has every flaws. character does. She, she yeah, they do that be weak in yeah, some way, and, and yeah, you exactly, get caught yeah. up in trying to have them be this like symbol for something right. of mm -hmm. empowerment, but you're forgetting that it's not human at all in any way. Yep. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some people would maybe backlash because it's three dudes talking about this, but like, sure, I mean, yeah, I, there's I, that. I put thought into <laughs> it, and like, you know, a lot of women have worked helping me with the script and everything, and and we had a really difficult line to walk because at first I was like, okay, Jericho I, at the same time, like I don't want him to be the typical damsel in distress. So we have to like do stuff to make his, he's in a very passive role though. Cause he's been captured, but it's like, we have to do stuff to make him seem like a good character. And then we, we don't want it to seem like Raina's just doing it for man. Cause it, for her man. Cause that's like kind of disrespectful to both of them then where it's like subordinates right. her. And it's, it's like, yeah. so there's a lot of stuff like you do have to juggle all of these things, but yeah, I mean, the fundamental is always like get a good character and you get that by having them need something they don't have and lack the 
the personal characteristics to get it. And so it's the journey of, okay, how do they become the person who can get to the destination? Yeah. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time has what has become a, uh, you know, a bro dude superhero character. But back in the day, in the first film, he was super flawed and that's uh, Die Hard. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. John McClane yeah. is a broken man. Yeah. He's a broken man. He's a really good cop, but he lost the love of his life. And now he's got to save her, even though he knows he can't have her anymore. He lost her. It's done. The romance is gone. Like, whatever. It's that's everything is, you know, falling apart. And he's so full of pride that he can't get out of his way. Now, mm-hmm. that he's not a cool character because he's killing everybody. He's a cool character because he's got dimensions and nuance. And Mm -hmm. in the 80s, you got a lot, and I mean a lot of bro dude characters that had zero nuance, zero development. Their whole point was to be with no shirt and to kill everything. Like that was their Mm -hmm. point. And I think that the video game industry did that, did the 80s male superhero movies, but female lead characters in like the last 15 years where it was like, Let's just build a superhero. Um, you know, that's what they want. Yep. They want, and it was like an overcorrection. But then you got the the Tomb Raider reboot, right? The Tomb Raider mm-hmm. reboot that had this Lara Croft that was super flawed, and like you, she basically, you know, spoiler alert, she kind of becomes not a great person, and like. Yep. Which you would expect. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's she's and that's a good thing. Stuff. Yeah. Going up against like horrible <laughs> yeah. people. But then it's not like human. she's hanging out it's with a very like, human element to her. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's that's what, what you know, when when you look at this from from a perspective of like I am sensitive to that situation. I don't want to play just a you know a white dude in every video game. Like every time I could create a character, I create a female character. Like that's I just like playing that. And I think it's because the, I'm I don't want to be I don't want to fall into that into that trope. I don't want to fall into that. And I and and the female leads kind of fell into that for a little while and didn't have the depth. But from the second you start playing your game, the the second you 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 know you get into it, Reina feels instantly like a layered character that you're really gonna want to get to know. But also feel yeah. she feels familiar because there's that vulnerability. It's like it's almost like. This is going to be weird, but whatever. It's like starting a new job where mm-hmm. I feel like this whole thing could be an allegory for you quitting your job and starting game development. Like inadvertently. Yep. <laughs> I mean, just, just think about it. Like the whole world, you, or you quit your job, you're going on your savings and you are trying to do this thing that literally your life depends on your family depends on, on this thing succeeding. That's your Jericho. Mm-hmm. Getting this game yep. done and getting it shipped, that's Jericho. And, and hopefully getting great reviews and all that stuff, that's your Jericho. But the whole world is trying to get you, but you have that regret device. You have your your programming, whatever the hell it is, like that you can figure it out and, and create this game. And you see it right away. It's so palpable from the second you see this game in motion and you see the the, the initial conflict when you first get a weapon and you, you know you first go or you first go head to head with 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 an enemy like you just see it it's it's very very tangible when you pick up the I'm, controller and play i'm so glad to hear you say that cuz um that that's intentional like fundamentally i don't like stories that are about themselves like uh i a big inspiration you know 
the old man in the sea was a big one, which again is a story about suffering, right? Um, superficially, it's like one of the proud tradition, again, book in this proud tradition of like books about the sea that aren't really about the sea or books about right. catching fish that aren't really about catching mm -hmm. fish. Like he's this old man, he's down on his luck, but he's this master fisherman and his entire life he's been growing as a fisherman. And he goes deep into the sea and he catches a fish on his line. And the fish is like the fish version of him. It's this giant thing that is the master of fishes. And it's the master fisherman versus that. And one of them has to die because the old man will not let go. So it's, will he starve to death first or will the fish die? And it's like, that's their thing. And you could read that book and be like, ah, man, fishing's great. Um, but really it's <laughs> like, it's all about like the things that are going through his mind where it's like, oh, he thinks like, man, this fish is great. I wish I hadn't caught it. I should just let it go. And then he'll immediately contradict himself. Like, no, you can't. You have and like the cycles you go through in your mind, right? Of like, because some we do that, right? You think like, oh no, I don't care if this happens. Like, what am I thinking? Of course I care. You know, you, you lose yourself for these little minutes, and that sort of stuff I think is cool. So it's like, it, Raina and Jericho. It, it's written to be about yeah, suffering and like the difficult things we have to do in life. And I'm glad you're starting to see like, oh yeah, I can see your situation. In it. And like the goal is that people see themselves in it and, and think like, oh yeah, this is about like everybody has, you know, their, the thing they're trying to get. And the story is an examination is like, okay, what has to happen to you if you want to achieve it? What do you have to go through? Like, what are all the the pieces of yourself that need to be cut off and, and cast away and then replaced with something else. Um, and they don't all quote, make you a better person. And um, it's not really clear. Does Raina become a better person over the course of the game, but she becomes more rounded and she becomes more complex and she becomes capable of thinking of things in different ways. Um, Cause again, life's not necessarily and, and I'm trying to say she becomes a worse person either. I think she becomes better, but it's not black and white, right? It's not like she has to learn to forgive. It's like, that's very right. shallow, I think, right, right? Right, right, Another story I'm inspired by a lot is like the Count of Monte Cristo, which it's the quickest 117 chapter read you'll ever come across. Um, but it's super good. And yeah, Edmund Dante is, has everything and right before he gets it, it's all taken away and he's thrown in jail for 20 years and his life's ruined and he escapes and has the chance for revenge. And I mean, part of what he has to learn is forgiveness, but part of the point is the book of, or part of the part, part of the point of the book is, but if you forgive them, that's not justice. Like these people still, this group of people did a horrible thing and were rewarded for it. It's like, you have to fix that. The evil have succeeded and the good have been crushed. And like, if you just let them go, it's not right. So it's like he becomes a better person and he, in some ways he becomes a worse person and he's negotiating that back and forth of like, okay, I need to snap the world back into a more just place because this guy who locked me up and lied and did all these terrible things, like now he's in a position of authority. We can't leave him there. We got to get him right back down to where he belongs mm -hmm. and then we'll discuss forgiveness. I feel like we're learning a lot about you yeah and I just, uh, uh, that's really exciting i just made a note to reread moby dick when this is over <laughs> yeah <laughs> now andy yeah. We, yes we're, we're getting to know dave on a very deeply personal level yeah but I we think that's a but i think we need to take it to the next level yeah we gotta we gotta plunge the depth here yeah okay we want to we want to get to know you 
like the darkest, deepest corners of your psyche. You understand? Okay. Um, it's time for rapid fire. This is where okay. we ask you some some shit and you tell us some answers. So okay. simple. A baby can do it. No, they can't. They can't give you one answer for anything ever. <laughs> Never mind. I take that all back. Is cereal a soup? No, I think it's in a sauce. Mm. Okay. I think milk is a sauce. So it, it's it may be a pasta. Wow. All right. Wow. That is a first here a, on that the, is a, the Dual Screens podcast. That is a wild answer. Uh, if a random person was handed a note with your handwriting on it, what would they deduce from your handwriting? Oh, man. Uh, this guy needs to take his time. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down. I, I, like I normally write in all caps so it's like mm. all capital letters and the capital letters are just really big capital letters but like if i'm a hurry it kind of like starts turning into handwriting and then because i'm a weird guy i um i intentionally like have a couple different printing systems as well just in case i need to leave a note that doesn't look like it was written by me so like they sometimes get smattered in if i'm not being deliberate so it's gonna look like it was written by like three different serial killers who are in a hurry <laughs> that's slow that's down and stop screaming at me <laughs> Oh man. Um what was the first video game you remember ever playing? Super Mario Bros. Simple. That's a good answer. Very common. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking about video games, I want you to think about all the games you played in your entire life and the ones okay. that really meant the most to you and had a huge impact on you. If you could right. pick if you could pick I, I kind of want to say it's going to be Chrono Trigger, the answer, but regardless. If you could pick one game to wipe from your memory Ooh. and then play it and play it for the first time, quote unquote, what game would that be? So I can answer that. Um, this one's tricky. Uh, but when I beat Final Fantasy VII, that was, oh. I had this strong sense of wanting to do exactly that. Um, and I think that's still probably my favorite game of all time. It's definitely been the most impactful. And again, like a really good layered story and really good layered characters. Um, we'll see. We'll see if the remake can uh, <laughs> can pull it off as it goes on. But yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's off to a good start, I feel, that one. Pardon me? It's off to a good start, the remake, I feel. so. I... I um, I was a little worried to, oh. at the end. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm not worried about Interesting. it. I like, I yeah. like, I like when things get weird. Yeah. Speaking, yeah. speaking of weird, um, let's let's go into your 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 past here. Okay. Pumps or light 'em up sneakers. Oh man. Uh, pumps, pumps were what I wanted. I've had neither because by the time I got old enough to be able to like, I could buy whatever I want. I was like, I just want comfortable shoes. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, pumps were, were the rage and I'm pretty sure they could make me dunk. So they obviously can. Yeah. Pumps are dead goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> um, a pineapple on pizza. Yes or no? Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. I make. Yes. I'm gonna let you in. 
most Saturdays, unless it's very hot and I don't want to be turning on the oven to full blast. Most Saturdays, I make pizza dough with the kids. And then on Sundays, we make pizza. And ham and pineapple is on the rotation every time. Mm, that is delicious. Yeah. It is delicious. Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm. I just defended half of the people, and I'm glad. <laughs> would you rather... I'm not Would you rather, without any... It can be done. You're not going to get hurt. There's no danger. It, You go and you do it. Explore the deepest parts of the ocean or the far away planet. That That's a tough one. I'm, I'm just going to go with the planet on principle. Because um, let's say you find something terrible. I mean, it's all the way over there, right? You find that in the ocean. Uh, who knows? <laughs> uh oh, find the Kraken. Yeah, there's there's a John Wyndham sci-fi novel called The Kraken Wakes, um, which is basically it's it, it's there's not extraterrestrials or uh, whatever the the problem comes from like uh, deep in the ocean and um, yeah they they start killing people and like they're they have like armored ships that are used to withstanding the pressure of like all of that water crushing down on them. So they're like in these semi invincible cases and uh, yeah, it's a bad time for everyone. They melt the polar ice caps to like aqua form the earth to make it more watery for them. And yeah, I, must, I, I, I think that. I want to read that. I think I want to mm. read that. That sounds awesome. It's another note yeah. to take. Give me a minute. Yeah. If, did you read like the chrysalids in high school? Reading is hard. You know that. Okay. Some people read the chrysalids, which is by the same guy. <laughs> I, I know the name. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, what is your safe word? <laughs> uh, it's just tears. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of defeats the purpose of a safe word. Is to get it before that happens. A safe I, word. Again, is is if your game is based on suffering, you're just looking into yourself for inspiration at that point. Yeah. Uh, Steven? You wake up in the morning and you get a news notification oh, no. that hosts of the Dual Screens podcast, Andy Asimakis and Stephen Fontana, have been arrested. What is the crime they were both arrested for? Oh boy. You guys, hey? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think uh I, okay, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna do, go two layers deep. I think okay. you were framed. All right. Oh. I think you were framed. It involved some sort of robbing a casino, but I don't think it was wow, you. I think you guys no, are the fall guys, dope. and it goes all the way to the top. God, with the patsies. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I'm going to get you out of there. I'll be your lawyer. Though, realistically, it would be me robbing the place, and Steven does like the hapless tag along that gets sucked into my stupidity. Sure. Yeah, the, He's like, the fall guy. Yeah. That's the last twist. <laughs> they weren't the fall guys like, all along. Like, there was only one. Like, he would be like, oh, you want a drink? I'd be like, yeah, sure. And I'll rob the casino. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, he's with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember we talked about this? Go start the car, huh? Start the car! <laughs> um, Do you guys ever watch Lupin? No. no. Or did you no. watch Lupin on Netflix? No. no. 
at the very least, you should watch the first episode. Um, I think you could relate. That's all, it's, that's all it takes for me. If the first episode's good, I will dive right the hell in. Get right in. Well, and the whole thing's only 10 episodes right now. But oh, if, if you like shows about stealing things, uh, yeah. Or like one maybe you didn't know you were the uh, escape car driver, then this check it out. is speaking my tongue right now. Show about stealing things. Did I write it? Probably. Um, <laughs> Let's get a couple more questions in here, Andy. Um, what is something you have done that should have killed you? Oh man. Okay. Uh, there, there's a few candidates, but uh, I had some time by myself, or even not even by myself. Friends were around, but there was it, it was a quiet time uh, out in the summer, and I thought I'm going to climb a tree. Um, I used to be like a rock climbing instructor, so I'm pretty good at climbing trees. What could go wrong? Um, so I go up, I hang out there for a bit. When you're up in a tree, there's not a ton to do. So I start climbing down. I jam my foot because it's a tree with sort of like the trunk splits. Sure. Jam my foot in the split and it kind of gets stuck. And when you're in a tree, and it's not like I'm sitting there. It's hard to get your foot out of stuff because like you it's not lift. like you can push up. Like yeah. I'm already kind of yeah. holding myself so I don't have access to like all of the muscles, right? You can't push against the ground. That's what got you in trouble in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I think, all right, my other leg's free. What I'll do is I'll kick. I'm only like 12 feet up. I'll kick off of it and I'll do like a dive roll and spin out. And that will be very cool. <laughs> and so I, I prepare myself to do this and I kick off. And right as I like straighten out my leg and launch myself sideways into the air, I think, oh, I could take my shoe off. That would get my foot unstuck, but I've already committed. And <laughs> what happens is the, the leg comes out. Part one of the plan works. Uh, I'm jumping, so I straighten my legs again. It jams back in. And if you can see, there's a tree. I just rotate 180 <laughs> degrees, so I'm face down, and I just drop straight down and land on my chest and break a rib. And as oh. it turns out, I think that's probably better than if I'd gone for the dive roll, because that probably would have just been snapping my neck. Oh, my god. Yikes. Yeah, that doesn't. My friend Annalise was like hanging out like 50 feet away and she saw me hit and she was like, are you okay? And at that moment, like <gasps> I'm kind of in pain because like <laughs> you feel the bone break and your pride's kind of hurt. And I just want to lie down and not talk to people for a bit. So it's just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> just give me a minute. <laughs> a little winded. <laughs> Punctured along. Um, yeah, I landed on my chest kind of hard. You are... A Pokemon gym mm. leader. Ooh. What is your gym? All right. Uh, my favorite Pokemon is Emolga. Now we got to we got to asterisk this, okay? There was even a Reddit th thread like a couple months ago or whatever on the front page, and people were like, "What's your favorite Pokemon?" And I went into there, and I control F'd and like way down at like two thousandth. There's like one comment with a person being like, Ebola, and it has two upvotes. And I was like, yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> and one of them was like Charmander. It's like, yeah, get out of here. Emolga is an adorable flying squirrel. He's like a Pikachu if Pikachu were good. Um, so we got electric flying. Um, it's kind of tiny. It's a flying Pokemon that can't use the ability fly, which like he's not the best. Okay. Emolga's not the, no, not I the get superstar, it. I get it. but yeah, I love sure. him. Right, sure. right, right. So I I, th I think we uh, maybe we look at electric and maybe along some sort of tiny and cute 
and um, uh, a lot of heart, maybe not the best, but a lot of heart, some sort of gym along those lines. So we'll have like Minum and Plusel in there. Yeah. And yeah, not the C team, but the B team. Was it right. Pechirisu or something like that? Get one of those yeah, yeah. So there. I think we're looking at like I'm the second gym. We're, you know, That's I'm right. not the eighth. But, you, but the, the lesson dragons. you're teaching is courage, right? You're teaching, <laughs> right. You're teaching courage. Following your it's heart. the courage badge. Right. I like yeah. it. I like it. <laughs> Andy, take us into our final question. Oh, God. Yes. You know, it, when these things are as fun as this one was in particular, the last question always kind of bums me out. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. A little bit. <laughs> but. Like if you that, were drowning. Matt, oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Close. I Close. would love to ask you that question. Close. All right. This is a harder choice than if there was a baby and an old lady in the pool drowning. Who do you save? That's easy. Oh, yeah, that's easy. Or if it was a baby and your grandma, it's still easy. Yeah, yeah. that question. But this one is b- beyond the pale. <sighs> All right. Talk about suffering. I think this question okay. is for our own suffering and a little bit on the guest part as well. Dave. Okay. Yeah, it's a simple yet complex question. It is multi-layered, multifaceted, but also one-dimensional. All right. If that makes any sense. I think the, goal is to, the goal is to make them have a nosebleed at some point in the lead right. to the question. Oh, I'll get there oh we're preparing with, with beverage. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there one day. All right. Hit me. No context at all, but here's the choice you have. Andy or Steven? Steven. Nice. There it is. There, that was so yeah. that was so easy. That was the easiest dunk I ever yeah. dunked. That's the easiest question you've ever asked me, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is gonna bring us to the end of the show. This was a fantastic one. And if you're not mm. sold on Rain and Jericho, I don't know what the hell to tell you. But speaking of Dave, where could everybody find the game? Where could everybody find you and all that fun stuff and f- follow everything? The website is reclamationgames.com. On Twitter, we're Reclamation Game because we have one too many letters in the name of our company. It upsets me every time I say it. Um, Raina and Jericho is on Steam. You should be able to find it even if you spell Raina's name wrong. Um, but it is R-E-I-N-A. It's coming out in 2021, I hope. Um on Steam or PC, Windows PC, Steam, itch.io, Nintendo Switch, uh, PS5. I, I got the code running on the dev kit today, so I can, Congratulations. I can say that's probably going to happen now. Yeah, it was a trip. Um, and uh, we're hitting up Xbox stuff as well, too. So we're trying to get it just on all the platforms. Awesome. Folks, if you want to follow us on social media, I am at Batchild27, Andy is at PantsGuy, and the show is at Dual underscore Screens. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Andy. I do have one last remark before we go. Oh, wow. Sure. Okay. Yes. I'm prepared. I mean, I'm prepared you know, it's. You're breaking I, up the flow. No, no. I there, mean, listen, no I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Dave's awesome wife, Vanessa, who is also part of the team that does the oh, music I see. for yes, yes, the yes. game. Yeah. And when you get a second, Dave, when this is all done, I do have a question for her. Uh, who would she pick, me or Steven? Oh, that's fair. That's a fair oh, question. None of the above. That's fair. That's a fair question. She picked me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. And on that all note, right. All right, Steve, wrap it up. Take on that away. note, 
Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, listeners, I think. And as always, please be excellent to each other. <laughs>